I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the La Liga Lorraine podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. It's been a, a tough, it's been a controversial week in Spain. How are you doing, Roman? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, it's been very, very controversial, of course, with all the uh, racism going on in the Vinicius situation. Hasn't been ideal. It's not what we would be, like, would be wanting to talk about, but unfortunately that's... Uh, What's taken up all of the covers uh, lately of newspapers and, and online? Pretty much. And we're going to come on to that. We will address kind of the reaction and the fallout to it, but we're going to do it at the end of the program. Um, today, we'll, we'll kind of finish on that. But uh, we're going to focus on the football for the first kind of section of the podcast. We will do kind of, sort of more of the European race in that second half of the show. But for me, there's only one real place to start, and it's not with Barcelona, although it is Barcelona involved, and that is Real Valladolid, who came up with a massive, huge, humongous 3-1 win over Barcelona at home on Tuesday night. And we know Barcelona look as if they are already thinking about where they're going on holiday, but even so, La Pucella put in a really good performance, didn't they? Yeah, deserves win. I mean, I've been uh, hearing talks about Barca letting Valladolid win to... Uh, allow Espanyol to, to, to go down, you know, that kind of stuff. And honestly, I think it's, it's absolute nonsense. Uh, Valladolid won because they were the better side. Uh, they were more accurate towards goal. They, had the, uh, they made the most of their chances, basically. It was unfortunate, for example, in the, first, in the second minute, sorry, that Christensen had to concede an own goal. But, you know, that's football. And from there on, you know, Valladolid uh, overall uh, were, were very good. They knew that they were fighting for their lives there. They, they, gave, they gave their 100%. And in the end, they... They got a good result, and as you said, Barca probably thinking more about their holidays. They've uh, done their their work, I guess, uh, winning La Liga. I thought maybe they would be slightly motivated to uh, keep working on those records in terms of goals conceded and, and clean sheets and all that, but apparently uh, Xavi hasn't found the, the right attitude from the players to actually fight for those uh, records. And on the other hand, of course, there's that fight for Lewandowski uh, to get the Pichichi, which of course he did get his, his goal later on in the game. and. Uh, is still an advantage for that, but uh, we'll see 
what happens in the next uh, couple of games because it clearly seems like Barca doesn't have the same mentality, obviously, that uh, they had before uh, winning the title. Yes, obviously, Barcelona. In the meantime, Jordi Alba has announced his his departure from Barcelona. He'll be leaving this summer as well as Sergi Busquets. The two of them will have uh, an homage, uh, homage, homage to to the both of them at camp now on Sunday when they take on Real Mallorca. Um, your quick thoughts on Jordi Alba? I'm sure we'll kind of talk about kind of the moving of the cycle at the end of the season. But yeah, Jordi Alba. Whoa, whoa. He he was a brilliant left back for Barcelona over the last eleven years. It should be said. Yeah, I mean, definitely he's in, this, in the discussion uh, of who's the best left back ever. I think at Barca, he's definitely up there. He's been a phenomenal player, especially uh, attack, as an attacking player. You know, uh, he's provided so many uh, innumerable, incredible assists to Messi and to other players. Uh, he was really a dagger down that left wing. Uh, defensively, he's had his ups and downs, but you know, he's been a great player for us, and I think he leaves. Uh, in a good matter, in a good matter, in the sense that uh, he was uh, not a starting player, he accepted secondary role without really complaining much. And when he came on, he did well. He did a good job this season. You know, he was uh, also part of the team that won uh, La Liga title. So I mean, uh, I'm glad that uh, he's finally decided to move on and not waited uh, until there was too much pressure on him to leave or, or too much criticism. You know, and I think now I think it's just. A, uh, the right time he could have stayed on I guess another season as a, as a, as a left back uh, sub you know because he's always a useful player but uh, I guess in terms of salary this really helps Barca to to be able of signing other players I guess in the future and then fixing their salary cap uh, situation yeah it was it's quite a noble act it, I mean it's been said that he'll leave kind of somewhere between kind of 30 and 50 percent of the money that he was due in this last year over for Barcelona Um and and as much as he's an acquired taste on the pitch, I think the way that a lot of people have been speaking about him um, and the way that he's acted this year, as you say, shows that off the pitch, perhaps he isn't quite as um, spiky a character as, as some may may see him. But just coming back on to Valladolid, because obviously this was a brilliant win for them. I think it keeps them essentially in the relegation battle. Uh, if they had lost this game they would have been on the same points as Espanyol they would have been three points back from Hitafe and Cadiz in 16th and 17th Paolo Pezzolano has, has been up and down since he's taken over this Fires Elite job but you saw them have a, a real bite and an aggression in this game and they took their chances and in particular Kyle Laren was, was very very good wasn't he? Yeah I mean Laren has definitely been one of uh, the star signings in the winter transfer window four uh, by the leader right in the first game he already made an impact scored a goal and he's been one of the, the few players in attack we could say that's been actually uh, pulling the team forward and, and giving them hopes of, of, of staying alive in, in the first division it's true that uh, their latest streak hasn't been good with Valladolid uh, Pizzolano has also been struggling I mean it's not easy, easy to come midway through a season you know and try and and solve things but uh, in the end what's important is that if they save themselves so I mean there's still two games left to go it's all still very very open anything can happen and if they keep having Laren at this level scoring goals I mean they'll have a better shot because if there's one thing we've seen with Pizzolano is that the team uh, is better offensively defensively I think they've maybe not not well they've not really really been too reliable I guess but I, I don't see them uh, very confident in the back and they do uh, concede quite a lot but at least in attack uh, he's managed to to get his players to get goals so that's that's what's important and at the end of the day they need those uh, next three points and see what happens because it's going to be a nice little battle down there 
Yeah, it certainly certainly will. They face Almeria away next at the weekend, and then they will finish at home to Hitafe in what looks like it might be a straight shootout for um, survival. Coming on to Espanyol, who probably won't survive, they managed a remarkable 3-3 draw against Atleti. They were 3-0 down at one point. They had played well for stretches of the first half, but looked as if they were going to be kind of dismissed, essentially, by Cholo Simeone's side. And in the space of 15 minutes, they managed to turn it around. Vinny Sosa got a header, and Osalu scored as well. This was a massive point in some ways, but it almost feels as if it was not quite enough. They had kind of 10, 15 minutes to get the winner, didn't quite manage it, and now they are three points behind with two games to go. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be enough. Uh, for one point, it's very unfortunate. Uh, actually, Jose Lu had a really good up one-on-one to, to get a 4-3 right at the end. It felt like that goal could have really changed things. I mean, Espanyol did fight because with 3-0 down, you kind of feel like the game is completely over, but... They, you know, they never really uh, gave up and they kept pushing. And also has to be said, they were very, very unlucky with that uh, Griezmann goal, which apparently has been proved that it wasn't a goal. I mean, I'm quite surprised that uh, VAR uh, would change uh, a decision from the referee not to give the goal uh, after the images they had, which weren't really accurate. You know, you could see the, the, the ball, but from a very strange angle, you know that those angles aren't reliable. So I'm, I'm quite shocked at how VAR once again has uh, worked and this is really something uh, La Liga and the Federation have to look into because I mean these are massive mistakes and this could uh, mean that Espanyol now goes to, to Segunda you know because if it had been 3-2 in the end it would have been three points for them so I mean very unlucky for Espanyol they're going really through some tough times they still got a bit of hope there a couple of games you know anything could happen by lead and Cadiz uh, could lose their next two games and they could win everything so we'll see what happens but definitely they're in a super super a complex situation and uh, we'll have to see how this pans out for them yeah there's no real reason La Liga doesn't have goal line technology unless they've, they want to come out and explain that <laughs> they should have it and that would have solved this in seconds uh, not quite sure why it's not been implemented in terms of Espanyol yeah I'm still not convinced Luis Garcia was the right choice to come in but they have yeah. shown a bit of grit and a bit of spirit Um in particular, Sergi Darder seems like he is dragging this team forward, <laughs> whether they want to be or not, kicking and screaming, some might say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much six points or and hope that other teams around them do them a few favours. I think for Espanyol, they'll, they're on 35, so they need to hope that none of the other teams around them get four points. Um, otherwise, they, they will be relegated Coming on to one of their rivals, Hitafe got... I mean, they dropped points against Elche at the weekend and we, we thought that that might come back to haunt them, but perhaps they they repaired matters a little bit with a 1-0 win away to Real Betis. This is, is massive for the relegation battle as well. I think Hitafe, Enes Unal went down injured in the first half, hobbled off. It looks as if he might not be back for the rest of the season. And bearing in mind that basically nobody else at Hitafe can score goals... It's quite a big blow, but Alderetti comes up with a header and you saw the celebrations at the end huddled up. They were It was very much uh, us against the world and La Bordeletta is chugged into life. <laughs> yeah, and uh, mentioning the injury, it's true that the Nacional is definitely their, their main source of goals, but uh, with Bordelas, I guess he's a bit less necessary because he only needs one goal a game uh, really to get three points. So, I mean, anyone who's uh, lucky enough to be in the box at the right place at the right time, I think could do the job. But yeah, of course, definitely... They would love to have Enesunal available if possible. And yeah, I feel like uh, Bordelas was taking a bit too long to, to get one of his 
a classic 1-0 results or a reaction at this stage of the season because uh, we, we felt like maybe, as you said, after the last game, before the one against Betis, they might be over for them, but now they've uh, revived a bit against the Betis, who now can't uh, overtake uh, Villarreal in the standings. I read there was a difference between about uh, six, seven million euros for who ends up uh, fifth, the sixth, etc. So, I mean, that's a bit of a blow for Betis, who I guess we're still hoping of chasing down Villarreal. Uh, but uh, Getafe now have another crucial game. I mean, every single game now is crucial for those uh, teams down there, and it's going to be interesting to see if Bordalas uh, can keep up uh, with this kind of results and then provide his experience to the team because we know he's a very, very good manager. Uh, he knows this competition super well. He knows Getafe extremely well and probably is the right man to, to save them. So we'll see if he finally can get the job done. I mean, he's there, 38 uh, points, you know, just above uh, Valladolid and Cadiz, but anything can happen. So as I said, it's going to be super entertaining to see uh, what happens with all these uh, teams involved. Yeah, we'll come on to, to Villarreal at the end, uh, in the second half of the show there. But Betis, like you say, they can't overtake Villarreal. I think they probably need about three points to secure six spots from Athletic. They've got the head-to-head over them. And they're, uh, yeah, I, I, I think with Betis, I mean, this is not quite a summary of their season. I think that's too simplistic. But certainly there's been an attitude that when they've needed it, they've not quite either been able to have that goal within them to kind of break down the opposition against those kind of sturdier teams towards the bottom, battling it out, or, or just to keep those clean sheets. I think at both ends, they've been just a little bit lacking in this kind of Champions League race, which they were very much in until about two months ago, or a month ago, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, they were one of the the favourites, you know, to, to grab one of those Champions League spots. Uh, I thought this season they would take uh, their, their game a level up, you know, they had made some good signings, uh, the team looked strong, Pellegrini had just come from a very good season uh, with the club, but it w- didn't really pan out that way for me, as you said, uh, mistakes at both ends, I mean, I feel like the strikers haven't really performed to the expected level, Borja Iglesias, who uh, we all love, hasn't really been up to standard, he's been missing some important opportunities, he hasn't even been uh, a reliable starter, many, many games, uh, Pellegrini hasn't even played uh, Borja Iglesias because he hasn't been up to par and the same goes with William Jose who I guess in his case he was more of a second uh, backup striker but he hasn't been great either. Juami did have that really good start but then after the injury and everything he lost a bit of um, punch in attack so unfortunately Betis in that end weren't too good and at the back I mean 15 sending offs this season uh, I asked Matt the other day and he said the record uh, was uh, 17 I think by Zaragoza so just two sending offs away that's that's a lot. I remember like watching games and then suddenly Bezela gets sent off, Edgar gets sent off, always one of the centre-backs or someone else, you know, I mean, and with that, it's really difficult, I guess, to, to keep uh, playing at a consistent level and especially also if you lose your main uh, or your best player, we could say, aside from Canales, Fekir, who hasn't been lucky this season, lots of injuries and in the end, a bigger one that's left him out for what's left. So, unfortunately, it hasn't been easy for Betis, but I mean, I think they can be happy uh, with that uh, six spots, uh, take into account all the ups and downs they have been through this season. Yeah, and the fact that they've not really been able to invest too much in recent years as well. We spoke about that short squad at the start of the season, and I think very much 
combined with kind of the frustration of those red cards, we've seen the the fatigue and the inability to kind of get get over the line in some of those games really kind of catch up with them a little bit. And they will very much be valuing this summer where they can go off and rest and uh, sit, sit in the sun for a little bit, I think. Um, just one final game I want to touch on before the break. We had Celta drawing 1-1 with Girona at home. I mean, they took the lead through a deflected Carlos Perez uh, effort and then Girona kind of came storming back in the second half. Tristan Stuani got the penalty after Sigankov won it from Javier Galan. This was a pretty good game. It was pretty back and forth. Both teams could have won this in the closing dying moments. I think almost last kick of the game, Girona had a curling effort tipped over the bar. Um but Celta, they're not quite out of it, are they? I mean, they're on 40 points with Valencia. They're two points clear of via to Leeds. But coming up, they have an away trip to Cadiz. And they have, um, on the final day of the season, they're at home to Barcelona, who no great shakes against via to Leeds. But you don't really want to go into that game needing a result, do you? No, absolutely. I mean, Celta, honestly, have been a surprise, I think, towards the end of the season because... Uh, with Carvajal, it seemed like they'd fixed most of their problems. They were playing uh, good football. They are getting goals. Uh, Gabri Vega was shining. It felt like, you know, uh, they w- wouldn't really have to worry about uh, relegation at all. And out of nowhere, they just started to drop points. And this 1-1 result against uh, Girona, sorry, isn't great. Obviously, it breaks that losing streak they had. But uh, still, uh, two points away if, if Cadiz... Getafe, Valladolid, these guys get some good results and Celta lose, I mean, they are really going to have to suffer till the very end. So uh, it's quite surprising to see them dropping down like that, whereas uh, Girona, on the other hand, you know, uh, they're just fighting for a prize, which would be the Conference League, because I think nobody expected them to be there. I honestly thought they would be probably fighting for relegation this season, as it usually has been happening for them uh, when they've been in the first division. But uh, they have really surprised us this uh, second leg, we could say, of, of the se- second part of the season, and they've been playing fantastically well. So, I mean, one point for them at Celta Vigo is a great result. Uh, they'll try and get three more points the next match, but uh, so far, so good for them. Yeah, it's not an easy run-in for Girona in the sense that they've got Osasuna and Real Betis, Real Betis at home, but if they could take six points from that, they're very much in with a, a shot of, of that seventh spot in that Europa Conference League place. I've seen Uriol Romeo and uh, Michel Sanchez both linked with Barcelona. Um, the the former more for a kind of tying over option for Busquets, but <laughs> Michel Sanchez won there. Potentially keeping tabs on. I think I tweeted out about a month ago. In in my dreams, I think Michel would be considered for Barcelona, and and maybe that that dream will come true at some point down the line. But uh, but yeah, Salta damaging point again they, they do kind of need a result at least I think once we will leave that for another day um, we'll jump into the second half of the show just shortly we'll come on to kind of the European, the European race we've got Cadiz as well to touch on at the bottom so don't go anywhere we'll be back in just a minute Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We promised you more about the European race and it is looking as if it's more or less settled, it has to be said, but Real Sociedad will not be counting their chickens given that they've uh, thrown away a few results. Mind you, Villarreal behind them have done so too. Villarreal, I'll start with them because it was the battle of the Yale submarines and quite a lot going on in this game. Uh, Villarreal won it 2-0, Nico Jackson scored and and they finished it off with a goal from Manu Trigueros. But uh, but yeah, Nico Jackson has been on fire in the recent months. And 20, 25 million was the kind of rumoured fee that he was supposed to be going to Bournemouth for. And I'd suggest that if he does leave this season or this summer, sorry, it'll be quite a lot more than that, won't it, Roman? Yeah, knowing how well Villarreal tend to negotiate for their players, I think uh, they could definitely uh, get some more millions from Nico Jackson. And honestly... The question is whether they will want to sell him now because he is playing really, really well. He's scoring goals uh, every single game, and I mean, and or assisting at least. And I mean, that's something you really value in a striker, you know. And that's something that Villarreal have been missing most part of the season uh, when they were looking for a compliment for Gerard Moreno. Uh, we did see that Nico at the beginning when he got his shot with Emery looked like a very talented player, but then he lost a bit of you know uh, that touch. I guess he, he faded out. From Emery's plans a bit, he wasn't uh, looking as a reliable player. Then he got injured. Then it seemed like he was going to leave. Then he had to stay, obviously, because he wasn't fully recovered from his injury uh, by the time the winter transfer market came out, came along. And now, you know, uh, Emery, uh, sorry, Emery, Kike Setien, I guess, uh, didn't have many more options. Uh, relied on Nico Jackson, and he's uh, been responding in, in the best way possible with goals, with assists, and, and with points. Because I mean, in the end. Uh, all those goals he's getting are, are allowing Villarreal to keep fighting for that fourth spot uh, for the Champions League. Unfortunately, it seems like it's it's a bit too late. Uh, Villarreal dropped some relevant points along the way, which uh, I think have led them to the situation. Always keep remembering that defeat against Elche, for example. Uh, that uh, would have been another three points that would have kept them very close to Real Sociedad. But uh, it is what it is. At least they're, they're still fighting. They've uh, guaranteed that fifth spot, which is, of course, good money for them. And now they have to keep on pushing these last two games to see if they get very, very, very lucky. Although I see it's quite complicated that Real Sociedad uh, let go of that uh, Champions League spot. Yeah, La Real needs just two points to do so. And uh, Ivan Alejo, the Cadiz winger, who's been in trouble earlier this season as well, was caught biting <laughs> Isamandi. Um weirdly enough he kind of gets up by some Mandy shouting in his face he's celebrating I think it's a goal kick and Mandy jumps up kind of 
not quite sinks his teeth into his shoulder but gets there and it's as if he kind of realizes where he is escaped punishment luckily enough for him but uh, Mandy didn't make too much of it and Alecko kind of uh, yeah <laughs> withdrew his teeth um, from Mandy at the time when uh, yeah. in a bizarre incident um, perhaps I'm being too frivolous with it but uh, no harm no foul I guess uh, and, and yeah Villarreal Nico Jackson like you were saying I think if there's one positive that Villarreal can take from this if Nico Jackson does stay there is a world where Gerard Moreno is fit next season Nico Jackson is there and they could quite comfortably make that fourth place I think if, if that happens and if that is the case but coming on to Real Sociedad they beat Almeria 1-0 at home Takafusa Kubo with an absolutely stunning effort curls it right into the corner and La Real it's in touching distance now they they just need one big result don't they yeah it's 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 almost done for them uh, as I said I feel like uh, they guaranteed it a few match days ago uh, it was true that Real did go through that bad streak we could say they had uh, a few months ago but then uh, they managed to recover uh, so in that sense uh, really well done from Garitano because it is a young squad in the end they could start feeling the pressure you know seeing that the results weren't coming seeing that all the good work they'd been doing previously was kind of fading away but in the end uh, he's managed to redirect their ship and and now they're they're on good track you know they're getting the results maybe they're not playing their best version of their football but still they're a very efficient side and when they need um, they can win by by a goal or two or they can actually score three or four so I mean a uh, very uh, we could say adaptable side and I think uh, they really deserved that fourth spot honestly because uh, they have been really really good overall this season and uh, I think uh, the best price possible is, is the Champions League Yeah and we speak about how different a side Moreno makes uh, Villarreal but certainly if if uh, Real Sociedad can get Sadiq in scoring next season, then that will transform their side mm-hmm. as well. And um, as much as Aguacil likes to praise through a lot, and he did, and there's rumours that they might try and keep him next season, and I, I like him in, in many respects, but he's not the lethal clinical striker that um, that many teams in the Sorry, top four I, do I think have. I said Garitano, right? I always say Garitano instead of Aguacil. I don't know why. <laughs> I have it in my mind it's... They're the same guy or something, but I tend to say Garitano when it's Real Sociedad. And to be fair, there are a lot of Bass managers achieving pretty <laughs> highly. In Almeria, three points dropped. I mean, well, not dropped, but three points that they didn't get. They remain a point above those kind of trio of teams. We know that they rely on their home record. They've got Elche on the last day away from home, which, yeah, they're, they're awful away from home. But if they can pick up the three points there, they should probably be okay. Um, just looking at that kind of those kind of four of teams so you've got the three teams on 38 points Vidalid, Cadiz, Hatafe, and Amory on 39 do you have favourites to go down or is it just in the order it is Vidalid to go down for you? I mean it feels like every match day this changes for me you know I've been seeing so many teams when I've been asked lately and I'm probably <laughs> getting it wrong but then I might be getting it right at some point you know so I mean definitely of course Elche and Espanol we know that well Elche we know that it's down Espanol looks very likely that would be my second candidate of course and then I guess uh, I was thinking Almeria but it's true that they're a strong home team they have a point more but uh, I just kind of feel like they might be the weaker side over a lot of those uh, four closer teams to, to the relegation zone interesting so they do I'll have a guys lead at home Almeria. next so that will be 
Uh, yeah, not quite a, a shootout in the same way that the Hatafi game will be, but uh, very much close to it. Um, you mentioned Elche there, who are obviously down. They did secure a 1-1 draw against Sevilla. Pape Gay got sent off for the third time. Mendelibar was not too pleased with him for doing so. Um, Eric Lamella opened the scoring, and then Tete Morente kind of looped a header. I don't know if it was him or Jesus Navas, but somebody uh, knocked it in over Dimitrovic. And uh, some more pride for Elche and Sevilla. Slightly frustrating result, because if they had one here, then they would have been, I think, level on points with Athletic going into their game. Athletic lost to Osasuna 2-0 away from home at El Sarar, which was rocking to see Ante Budimir head home, and then a later goal from Lucas Toro, which moves in level with Athletic on points, but ahead of them and into seventh spot. And Mallorca beat Valencia 1-0. Uh, at home and that leaves Valencia very much still in the mire with Espanyol to come on Sunday Real Madrid beat Rayo Vallecano in a more or less a non-event I think it's fair to say I mean Real de Tomas scored against his former side um, Benzema did get his goal as well he managed to turn down the keeper and score Rodrigo got the winner very late on I don't know if you have any kind of thoughts on that before we move on to more of the Vinicius fallout I mean, there's still a little fight up there between Atletico and Real Madrid to grab that second spot. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I think Atletico probably wants it more than Real Madrid at this point. But yeah, now Madrid haven't got a Champions League game to worry about or anything like that. So, I mean, it was not a very important game, we can say, overall, because I also had uh, really complicated aspirations of making it to any European position. So, yeah, uh, interesting in a way the way that they played those final 10 minutes against Espanyol would have suggested that they aren't too bothered either because um, certainly they had one or two chances to really go for it and did not. Um, moving on to the uh, to, yeah, to the grim stuff of the week again, more Vinicius fallout. La Liga have kind of asked for more sanctions. Javier Tebas has apologised. Vinicius has since had his ban lifted by the RFEF for that red card. Um there's also been a five-game partial stadium ban for Valencia. They've been fined 45k and 45,000 uh, euros, sorry. And the Mario Kempes stand will remain closed for the next five games. Ruben Baraja, the Valencia manager, has been pretty um, against that. He came out with a statement against that, as have Valencia. They say that they will appeal it. There's been a lot of reaction in Spain against the Valencia suspension, suspension being lifted as well. Um, Florentino Perez has come come out and said stuff about it too and asked for reform in the refereeing room, which I'll come on to that in a little bit. But uh, your, just, your general take on kind of these events and, and how it's kind of played out in the international media as much as the Spanish media, Roman. Well, it's a very spiky topic. Uh, I don't like to talk too much about it because, I mean, a lot of people can naturally get offended. There's a lot of interpretations, a lot of views. Uh, and when it comes to sharing different ideas, sometimes one doesn't really make sense to the other person and, and they, they react in an maybe excessive way. So uh, I kind of feel like um, here in Spain, the awareness of racism is very different to the one we have in other countries in Europe, for example, the UK, except France or, or whatever, you know. And I think there's a lot of ignorance here in Spain and they don't really understand what is racism at some point and with this I don't mean to excuse anybody because of course when you're being a racist you are being a racist but uh, sometimes it's important to, to understand where we're coming from and even in my case I'm somebody who I think uh, knows a lot about this kind of thing and I'm 
um, in contact with people from all over the globe, etc. And even I have sometimes struggled to understand why one person considers a certain thing offensive and the other one doesn't, you know. So it's, it's a complex debate, even though people after hearing this might say, what are you talking about? They're being racist, you know, there's no, no questions here. And I agree with you. Uh, but uh, in Spain, things move slowly, and, and as, you, as you have seen, uh, people don't, here don't understand why international media have reacted in such uh, a strong way. And in a way, this has been good because it's made La Liga, the federation, react, and they've imposed these sanctions probably because there's been a massive outbreak uh, outside of Spain because, I mean, there have been plenty of cases regarding racism, and sanctions have been pretty light, mostly, you know, or, or there haven't been any in many situations. So at least... Now we know that uh, they are going to do something. Hopefully they enforce this a lot more. They have to make much stricter rules because, I mean, in the end, I actually wrote an article today uh, in a Liga Lowdown about uh, going to the stadiums. And it's not really uh, a great thing to do with, with family, with friends, because it, it turns into a very hostile atmosphere, you know. And it's not just the racism. It's there's homophobia, there's insulting, there's... Uh, people throwing objects, there's people spitting, there's fights, uh, there's people invading the pitch, and this is just happening too often. I think it's always happened, but now at least we're, we're talking about it, you know, and it's important to, to point these things out. So, I mean, uh, they have to, you know, uh, install all these different rules and, and be very strict when things happen so we can avoid more of these situations, which obviously we can't stop it 100%, but at least. Uh, we could intimidate people to, to be a bit more respectful or to know that if they're going to go to the stadium and do a stupid thing, they're never going to go back and, and it's not worth taking the risk. No? So in the end, this will benefit everything and make uh, it more healthier uh, for fans and for people to enjoy football games because there are stadiums where we see fantastic matches. I like to put the women's football as a good example where the atmosphere is so much more festive, so much more... Um, we could say family-wise, I remember going to the, to the game in the, the Champions League between Barca and Real Madrid, which broke the first record, uh, the Camp Nou, and everyone was just so happy there singing. Even though it was Real Madrid, you know, they had it in front, but that wasn't really a problem. Everyone was really happy, was celebrating, it was a joy to be in that game, family, kids, everything. And that's the kind of atmosphere I want, and I think most people want at the stadium. So. Uh, hopefully we can uh, lead uh, football uh, towards that because it's horrible to have to talk about racism and all these kind of things uh, so yeah, much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really good take and really good kind of summary um, from you there, Roman. And certainly, yeah, that disconnect between kind of this Spanish kind of view of it and we're going in massive generalizations because obviously there's a world of opinions within Spain and yeah. without Spain. But, but yeah, certainly the thing that's been picked up on from my point of view is the fact that like there's been maybe too much energy devoted to kind of debates that aren't the racism i think a lot of people when they see kind of the discussions going on in spain don't understand why perhaps well yeah there's the provocations thing which we know vinicius regardless of what he does regardless if he spends the entire game telling valencia that they're going to segunda doesn't matter when it comes to condemning racism we know that not the entire of Mestalla, entirety of Mestalla is racist. I think anyone with a brain cell can tell that. And I think in terms of kind of the way that it's been handled is it's been it's been too defensive from Valencia. So, if, for instance, in their statement, they condemn the racism. They say we've done all this to help out, and then they say, but the majority of our fans were well behaved and and so on. And I think that has riled people the wrong way because they don't understand why they can't just condemn the racism and they have to defend people there's been a lot of um 
uh, energy dedicated to debating whether Spain's a racist country or not, and a lot of people coming out and say, well, Spain's not racist, blah, 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 so on, so on, so on. And I think for me and the thing that jars most is the, is the way that, yeah, people have been focusing on things that aren't necessarily condemning racism, sorting out the problem and, and working out what should be done to combat that. And yeah, I understand people are angry about the Vinicius red card being rescinded. I think that's totally justified. He should have been... Should have received a, at least a one-game, if not a two-game ban. Ugo Duro, if you're going to do anything, should have received retrospective action rather than rescind Vinicius's mm. action. And even Real Madrid, because it's another thing I wanted to say about this, is that there's racism in every country, in every institution, in every club, wherever you go, or at least discrimination. You can always find instances of this. It's not limited to Spain. It's not limited to any particular club. Um, and even Real Madrid, I think, have handled this poorly in a sense because Florentino Perez came out and said, we can't permit this, we have zero tolerance for it, this is terrible. And then he goes on to talk about VAR and say this is proof that we need reform in the refereeing structure and that is just totally yeah. beyond the pale, nothing to do with it. And I, I, I thought that was wild um, that he did so. And, and yeah, I, I think it shows that there's certainly room for growth on all sides, from all teams, from all clubs, and it's it, yeah, it's it's a tricky topic to debate. And admittedly, we are two white guys discussing it, so there's there's a perspective from that as well <laughs> that we're probably not the best people to be talking about it. But we can't sure. exactly just gloss over it either. Um, but but yeah, perhaps we will delve further into it after the season's done. And and the good thing is that action is being taken, um, even if it's necessarily not necessarily happened at the right time if it's happened too late and it's come as a result of that international pressure at least it is coming and hopefully the important thing here is that La Liga do not just kind of glaze over it when it next happens the important thing is that these sanctions happen again that this action is swift again mm -hmm. um, and that the same treatment kind of gets doled out racism is eradicated from stadiums essentially but I don't know if you have any final thoughts on that sorry I've spent a long time talking there and I had my turn I, I mean I said all I I came to mind that moment and it's definitely as you said a very very complicated topic and uh, hopefully we can eradicate racism obviously that's going to be almost impossible there's always going to be one or two people that you know uh, do their own thing, but uh, it's important that this topic at least is talked about and, and people react to it because uh, we need changes and the only way we get changes is if people complain and you know uh, they're, they're talking about it. So in a way Benitez has done a good job in the sense of coming out and, and complaining often to La Liga, to everybody and getting the president of Brazil, getting a lot of footballers to, to speak up because this in the end is, is the only way with the influence, that's how you managed to make important changes. Absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Just looking ahead very briefly to the weekend, Sevilla take on Real Madrid on Saturday night. That game has been moved so that Sevilla can prepare for the Europa League final a bit better. Valencia Espanyol, as we mentioned, huge game. Cardiff Celta Vigo, massive game at the bottom as well. Girona Betis has European implications. Hitafe face Osasuna at home. Barcelona will have their chance to say goodbye to Alba and Busquets at camp now on the Sunday evening as well. All of these games are kicking off at 7 Spanish time, by the way. Atleti Real Sociedad, Almeria Valladolid again, massive game, and Rayo Vallecano 
uh, are hosting Villarreal finally. On that note, um, thank you very much for your company, Roman. It has been a pleasure as ever. Thank you once again, Matt. Oh, Matt, sorry, Rory. <laughs> We're getting to the end of the sorry, season. Matt. We're getting to the end of the season. It's it's nice <laughs> to be confused with Matt, who is, uh, in my opinion, the best host of this podcast. But uh, yes, I will say adios, adeo, and uh, we will speak again on Monday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.